0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Before we kick things off today, wanted to, first and foremost, for all of you who listen to this podcast on an ongoing basis, apologies for a little bit of the uh, delay uh, since the last episode. It wasn't because there wasn't a ton of hard work happening on the podcast. It actually was because we had a ton of guests. <laughs> There were a lot of guests on the podcast, uh, really the last week and a half, uh, probably the most I've ever done in that short of amount of time. So on the flip side, if you've waited patiently, exciting news, there are legitimately uh, six guests I'm about to release uh, in the next week or so, extremely high level founders, athletes, some really cool people, all of them, badass conversations, they're doing incredible things. So keep an eye out. Uh, the first one today, Max Blessen. He is the founder of Joy Milk Tea. We kind of get into it. I laugh a little bit because the first time I heard about this product, I really didn't understand what it was. Uh, it's a Chicago-based company, uh, and if you think about coffee, you know, your morning ritual, Everyone has, not everyone, shouldn't say that, but a lot of people add milk, sugar, all kinds of things to their coffee. Um, but what most people don't do is add those to tea. And in other parts of the world, milk tea, so just tea with milk and other things, uh, is actually a very common uh, delicacy. And so what Max has done is he has commercialized uh, what he calls joy milk tea into Ah, uh, shelf-ready cans. So think of instead of grabbing that can of coffee, you can grab a can of milk tea. Uh, Max is a really nice guy. He's uh, very smart, very driven. This isn't his first endeavor, and we also get into that a little bit. But he is a Chicago native, and uh, I think you guys will really enjoy Max and his story. And before long, you will be uh, able to get Joy Milk Tea around the country. So keep an eye out. I've added links uh, to Joy Milk Tea's website. And their Instagram and to Max in the show notes, so please check those out. Uh, I don't re- usually mention this at the beginning, but if you guys have loved this show, um, I appreciate all the support that all of you listeners give. If you could leave a review, you know, leave a five star, and most importantly, if you could share this episode, even with one friend or family member, uh, I can't explain to you how much it helps the growth of the podcast. All right, everybody. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by routine. When we sleep, we lose t- about a pound to a pound and a half of water. Yes, that's right. A pound to a pound and a half, expelling vapors, sweat, you know, all types of stuff. Routine sells a variety of great products, uh, that I actually use on a daily basis. Um, and what they sell mainly, uh, are a few key ones. And the one we're going to talk about today is morning routine. Uh, Morning Routine is a proprietary product that the routine company put together, um, and it's really a single-serve packet that is meant to kickstart your day, kickstart your metabolism, and rehydrate you. Each single-serve packet, you just tear it open, and what you pour into your water is half an organic lemon, a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt— all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. You know, a lot of those hydration products out there do have sugar. Routine does not. You, you tear one pack uh, in, you know, 20 ounces of water, shake it up, you're good to go. It tastes delicious, and I have one almost every day. Routine, trusted ingredients made convenient. They also have green superfoods mix, vitamin D, uh, apple cider vinegar gummies, and elderberry gummies. Check out their website, yourroutine.com. The link is in the show notes. And if you guys are interested in trying any of Routine's products, you can use code SHANEWHITE30 at checkout for 30% off your first order. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Max Blessin is up right after this. (music) All right, everybody. Thank you for joining for another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I'm stoked today to have the CEO and founder of Joy Milk Tea, Max Blessin. Max, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Hi, thanks, Shane. Appreciate it.
0: Appreciate you taking the time to come on. I uh, First of all, for anyone watching on YouTube, uh, this is what it looks like. I don't know if you can really see this with the camera and the light. Um, it's a little bit of a glare. Yeah, as I was gonna say, I can't really... Thank you for uh, dropping these off, by the way. Uh, Fantastic. So, I wanted to put one on here. Um, Do you mind giving everyone just a little bit of a a download and a little bit of an intro to you, yourself, and then obviously the brand?
1: Yeah. So, I'll keep it, I'll keep me pretty general. Uh, I mean, I'm a serial entrepreneur. This is maybe my fourth or fifth business. I just can't stop. (laughs) I think at the (laughs) root. I think at the core of it, I think I just love creating. I posted a tweet about this the other day. I just love sharing and I can't think of a better industry for me to be in than CPG because it's literally my job to share products with people. In this case, it's my, it's my product, but you know, being able, I know we talked about this a little bit, but being able to hand the product off to someone and see their reaction. I love it. I can't, you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is maybe my fourth or fifth business and I uh I'm absolutely in love with, with the CPG space. So
0: yeah, I would I would agree. The I, I I think I've said it on the podcast before. I've definitely said it in person to a bunch of people, but there's something about being able to like literally just hand your product to a consumer. And I, I always give the story. I think I told you this in person, just being able to, uh, be on a flight. I remember being on a flight with our X bar and, you know, giving out bars on the plane to people and explaining what it is and why it's good for you to eat. And that that's just such a fun thing to be able to do, uh, with potential customers that you can't do if you sell, you know, my first job, I w- we were in the business of selling engines. So definitely couldn't bring those along on a plane.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this morning, actually, I was, I was hitting a store, just doing a cold, you know, cold selling. Walked in, handed the product to the person at the cash register. She happened to be the buyer. Uh, I told her the crack went open and just watching her face light up is just, it's, it's amazing. It's awesome. Oh, that's
0: awesome. That's cool. Yeah. So you just walked yeah. in and uh, the first person you accidentally ran into was <laughs> the buyer. That's pretty uh, ironic.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I, I walked in, asked her a couple questions about, you know, what products move the best in the RTD space. Yeah. She gave me a couple answers and then told me, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the buyer. Oh, oh that's great. Cool. You know, I got the product <laughs> in the truck. You want to try it? Yeah, So
0: that's fantastic. Good for you, man. Um, I guess that's a good entryway into, so the company that we're talking about today mostly is called um, Joy Milk Tea. But before we jump into what Joy Milk Tea is, would love for you to just give an intro. You said at the beginning, you're a serial entrepreneur. What are some of the other ventures you've done? And as we talk about Joy Milk Tea specifically, oh, I think it, it's interesting to see how you've like evolved through different ventures.
1: Yeah, so I think my evolution is mo- mostly like what did I learn in each business? Because there is no, there is no tr- like train track for you know, my, my path. So sure. it started with consumer, consumer tech, right? So I had an idea in college for an app. Uh, don't really want to get too much into it, but learned how to code, built it all. Launched it, failed to monetize it. Right. So I learned. Okay. And that one, I pretty much learned how to, you know, pick myself up by my bootstraps, get going, don't rely on anyone else. You can do it. Right. Then the second business was uh, I started a seafood import export business. And I oh. was doing, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Didn't know that <laughs> was one.
1: Huge pivot. Yeah. Huge yeah. <laughs> pivot. Uh, basically, I cold called like 300 distributors in the country. Uh, selling fish that I pretty much didn't really have. I was trying to see if I could make a sale, right? Got it. Uh, I did. We found some fish in Brazil, started making deals, and now we were in the brokerage game. And well, oh, so you business, were like
0: selling before you had the product.
1: Yeah, I basically decided one day that I think I can sell this. I think I can do this because I think the paychecks were big. You were going to, you, you know, I would make like eight to 10% brokerage commission just by making a phone two phone calls. I'm like big ticket items. Right. So like a tuna is like anywhere from 2000, $3,000, depending on the size quality. Wow. I didn't know
0: that really. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you, you know, if you're selling, you know, 10, 15 tons of fish at a time, you can make a nice cash. Yeah. Right. So in that business, I really learned but um the next business was more in the family with tea so i did true security which is basically an online platform uh and that in that business you know really learned how to scale something uh and i guess yeah how to scale
0: yeah
1: Uh, and then from there landed enjoy milk tea kind of by coincidence
0: and and just uh, you cut out a little bit so I was going to go back for the the seafood business what was kind of the the reason of getting out and moving on it sounds like you know right away hearing like the you made a decent amount of money on each deal so what was like the the reason i guess jump out
1: sure uh i was pretty naive in business at the time and i think that there was a lot of risk credit risk and cash flow risk uh basically I wasn't getting purchase orders for anything. So
0: oh, okay. I was just, you know,
1: handshake deals, you know, I'd have, you know, five fish coming in from Croatia value that like, I don't know, 15, $20,000. And then buyers would back out at the last minute. And now I'm sitting with a tuna.
0: Nope. Do we lose you? Might be
1: having
0: a technical difficulty. Uh, Oh, hold on! I think we lost you there for a second, Max.
1: I just moved inside.
0: All good, man. All good. There we go. I told. I was. I just. I said we might be having some technical difficulties. So we're back. Max is inside. All right. So you're talking about um, basically the cash flow issue. So you were, you were bringing tons of fish in, but not necessarily having a, having a contract to back up your order, which makes yeah, sense. Yeah. You know,
1: I was, I was just young. Yeah. You know, I wasn't making good decisions. I was just making, you know, trying to just make moves constantly.
0: Yeah. Did you get burned pretty bad at one
1: point? I did get burned once, you know, I get burnt. I got a, that was the one that really soured it for me and yeah. made me think about giving out. I feel like it's one of those
0: businesses you can't really, you can't get burnt too many times early on either, right? Like Unless you have more cash to borrow.
1: Exactly. No. And we didn't. So, and I was basically, I was fresh out of college, in college and like right at the end.
0: Okay. So. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you got out of that one. Then you're in the security business. What, uh, and then you, what, what, I guess then we'll let's, let's, we can fast forward a little bit. To Joy Milk Tea, what was, give everyone maybe a little bit of a background, like what is Joy Milk Tea first off?
1: Sure. So Joy Milk Tea is a ready to drink milk tea product. We use natural, you know, all natural ingredients, um, no artificial stuff, no natural flavors or artificial flavors. The concept, you know, I'm not the inventor of milk tea. Milk tea is something that has been around for centuries, right? It's an extremely popular drink in Asia. And the idea here is that we're just gonna bring this kind of beverage with a rich culture and a rich history and bring it to America and position it kind of differently. I know right now, a lot of your listeners probably uh, have heard or have had bubble tea before. Mm -hmm. So our product is similar to that, but I don't like comparing it to it bubble tea, but it's like bubble tea without tapioca, less sugar, real tea, and think of it more like a morning coffee. That's the best way to think about it.
0: Got it. And I know I laughed because you, you were kind enough to bring some over to try. And I we had talked before and I've heard of milk tea. And then for some reason, I before you until you like eloquent, eloquently explained what it was to me in person, I, I didn't put two and two together to understand like, oh, like, you know, when I have my morning coffee, I mean, some I drink it black, but a lot of people put milk in their coffee. And then this is basically, instead of coffee, you're putting milk in tea. I'm like, oh, that just, Duh. Like, yeah, it's the, nat- like it's the natural yeah. <laughs>
1: extension. Yeah, it's the yeah. natural extension of of tea products in America. And it's you know it's completely missing and I think it's there I mean there's nothing that gets me more excited than this category. It's Got it. uh it's you know so ripe for just uh you know exploration here in America.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And and like on the podcast I, with this founder series I love to go, you know, how he we went from 0 to 1. And so it sounds like yeah. was was um was milk tea in general I know it comes from Asia. You knew about it. Was it something like you had enjoyed at home, like homemade milk tea or how did you like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how did you go from like knowing what it was to like, actually like, I love milk tea and then yeah. you know, creating your own. It seems like a big jump.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I, I've had milk tea ever since I was a kid, not a lot. Cause it usually when you go get milk tea, it's really sweet. Okay. So it's more like a treat. It's not something you feel good about drinking every day. Um, But I actually had never made it before until I got the idea. Um, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I have a little book. Uh, It's got like hundreds of different recipes and formulations that we basically tested in my kitchen. Um, Yeah, but I mean, I've I've liked it my entire life. And I have like a pretty specific, you know, palette. I look for some, you know, I, I like things that have more of a mature flavor profile. Okay. So it was hard to find something that, wasn't just sweet all the way through because most milk teas are just a sugar bomb so when i crafted when we formulated joy milk tea the idea was let's really focus on making something that has a mature flavor profile similar to coffee and that Uh really meant yeah that really meant using real tea you know getting as many of the tannins and that bitter astringency as you can out of it and then not over sweetening it So those three things together create something that's really unique that you can't really find even in ethnic milk tea products. So it's definitely something that stands out.
0: Yeah. And when I first took a sip of it, I was like pleasantly surprised. I was like, this is, I've never, I just hadn't tasted anything, anything like it. It's so interesting to me that, uh, you know, someone hadn't brought it over and there weren't like other really like anything like this. It is like without, without trying it yourself, if you're listening or watching this, it does, it tastes, it's really good. Number one, you can tell it's not full of sugar, which that was the first thing I liked. And, um, I had never tasted anything like it. It was like a whole new taste to me, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at the very beginning, I got kind of trapped in, okay, let's go find milk teas, taste them, and then see if we can make something close to that. So I did that for like a few weeks. And then I realized like, Hey, I'm not trying to create something that mimics other people's products. I'm trying to create something new as an expression of myself, and what I think other people might might want. Um, so I got out of that kind of loop real fast, um, and I think that's really important when you're creating a product. You know, figure out exactly what you want to create, and don't just try and copy other people. Um, specifically with milk tea, there isn't really anything to compare us to. So we have kind of the opportunity to pioneer this new category.
0: Got it. Yeah. I mean, definitely. You definitely do. I mean, for someone like me, who's never had anything, you're like the first version uh, of a product like this for me. Um, So I totally get that. So you, you know, go from making it in your kitchen and I, you know, we've heard lots of people explain on here kind of like that jump to obviously producing a finished product. Um, as we chatted in person and you know, we've had a few people on here who are in the, you know, ready to drink category, like a canned drink to everyone who doesn't know what that means. Um, How was there like stages in between, like, okay, you got the idea. You think it's a good idea. You're messing around with it in the kitchen. Did you like have a recipe? Or do you remember the first time you like made the recipe that was in this can today? And then what was like the next step? Like what did you try to do next to actually like put it into a product to sell?
1: Yeah. So here are the steps. Um, I listened to a bunch of podcasts like your, like yours.
0: Love it. Love uh, spe-
1: it. Yeah. Specifically one with uh, on how I built this with uh, Peter Ray Hall. Love And it. that just got my, it got me in gear, right? That made, that got me after I had the idea, I listened to that podcast. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start making milk tea. Um, basically. A week or two after I made the first formula, our perishable one that was in the glass container, yeah. that's how we started. Uh, I took it to a farmer's market and just tried selling it. Uh, so I at was... that
0: stage, were you, I mean, were you bottling it at home?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. No label. Uh, just in the <laughs> just a sticker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually got denied from the farmer's market. And I basically drove down to the Chamber of Commerce and begged them to let me in. Oh really? uh, yeah. So, I mean, if I didn't get in, I don't know, I don't know what I'd be doing because that what, farmer's market was invaluable. Why were they,
0: why did they not want you to sell your product at the farmer's market? Oh, Cause originally? I was
1: like two months late for registration.
0: Got it. So you just <laughs> kind of like showed up and were like, Hey, I'm ready to sell here.
1: Yeah. But see, that's like, funny hey, too. You're... Like
0: probably most people don't know that if you've never sold at a farmer's market, I, I wouldn't yeah. know the first step uh, in, in selling at a farmer's market.
1: Yeah. Me, I mean, either. I mean, I just said, okay, I, I need a, I need a, a table and a tent and maybe something some signage
0: yeah yeah right <laughs> so, right
1: so i took it there and we did surprisingly well i think i was i was really nervous um like our first couple customers um i remember really clearly like the second week we went there i saw similar faces um, and that, you know, the first week we sold like maybe 50 or 60 bottles, you know, nothing crazy. That's still, um, I
0: mean, if you think about like, you've never sold one and yeah. then you show up and you do 50 or 60 though, that's pretty impressive. That's got to feel good. I mean, even that, fir- do you remember that first day?
1: I do. And it w- they weren't good feelings. They were okay. nervous. They were, uh, I don't know if people are going to like this. I didn't have samples at the time. So I was hard pitching people to buy it on the spot without tasting it.
0: Oh, wow. I, yeah. I was like.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna sell this milk tea. I, you know, I was just in hard sales mode. Well, that's um, that's
0: actually more impressive to me than than having samples because then you're you've never you've never sold it. Number one and two, you didn't have a sample for people to come by and try, so they're paying what I don't yeah. know what it, what it cost back then, but that's probably a pretty hard sell.
1: Yeah, it, it was kind of a hard sell, and I remember when I went home after that, I'm like, hey, I need I need samples. What am I doing here? You know, people need to taste this. Um, so I learned quick and the next week, I don't actually, the next week I didn't have samples. The next week I started seeing customers come back and okay. that gave me a lot of confidence, right? That, that was like the validation to me that, Hey, this ta- this doesn't only taste good to me. This message doesn't just resonate with me. This message resonates, resonates with others and they enjoy the product. Um, so that second week gave me a ton of confidence. And then the week after that, I started bringing samples. And that's when I think we really took off, took off at the farmer's market. Um, If you go to a farmer's market, I cannot recommend a better thing for a CPG company to do. You have to do something like this because the lessons you learn are just so crucial. Uh, When I started doing the samples, I was giving every single person that walked by to taste this product because I was high on on confidence, right? I was like, hey, I got returned customers. Uh, You know, I got people coming back telling me they love it. So now I'm thinking every single person that walks by my booth is trying this product. Um, And that mentality really helped a lot of people get behind it. And a lot of people tried it. And we started selling more and more every week uh, to the point where we were filling up fridges. You know, I had massive coolers I was bringing with.
0: And at this point... Um did were you did you have a website or did you have anything else or were you just selling at the farmers market do you remember
1: uh i think maybe i had a basic landing page that i built okay uh, nothing like a direct to consumer or anything got it okay uh basically yeah very minimal web presence mostly just that small audience in at the farmers market yeah got it okay
0: And so was your thought at, at this time, you know, you're, you're at the farmer's market for a bit, you're getting repeat customers. Was your thought at this point, uh, that you're going to go all in on joy milk tea? I think for a lot of people who think about this, like if you have a date, if you have a nine to five job today and you want to launch a product, for example, if this is a passion of someone listening, Um, for you, like, what was kind of that? I know you're, you've started other businesses, so maybe for you, this is a little bit different of a process. Um, but what was your, if you can remember, what was your mentality kind of like as it's scaling and you're seeing repeat customers, I would love to know, like when, when was like the, the, the day or the conversation you had with family or friends or something where it's like, yeah, I'm
1: going to go all in on this. Okay, sure. So the farmer's market for me was really my testing zone. Uh, I decided if I can, if I can sell this, if I can make something that people will buy and that I can sell at a farmer's market, I'm, you know, that was my proof of market, seeing if this, you know, people would be interested in this. So after I started getting these repeat customers, and then after our customers started selling our product for us to stores, that's when I was like, I'm going to focus pretty much hundred percent on this. I was already pretty, in before like in the early days i was already under the mindset that i'm going to make this work no matter what okay. right yeah. but then tor- closer to the end of the farmer's market when these kind of really amazing things happen like i couldn't ask for better consumers customers uh that's when i was like there's really something here i'm gonna really really push like go all in got it okay I don't really do these analysis, like for, I just go all in. I'm usually all in at the very beginning. If I'm going, I'm going. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I
0: think it's, you know, it's funny now that I've talked to a decent amount of entrepreneurs, I think that's a pretty common um, characteristic of a successful one is like, yeah, you kind of don't overthink it. You know what I mean? Like I probably came up with that question because I am the overthinker in a lot of situations, but a lot of people who tend to start businesses kind of like, are like, no, this is a great idea. I'm going all in. I'm going to do this.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm sitting here trying to tell you like, oh, there was a measured approach, but I think in reality it was, uh, I just pretty much jumped head in real fast. I love so, it.
0: You're passionate yeah. about it and you, you believed in it, right?
1: I, yeah, I do. I do. I do very much.
0: So that's exciting, and we to kind of back up to give everyone like a frame of reference. Uh, this farmers market was in Chicago, right? Was it downtown Chicago? Yeah. That's where you, I know that's where Wicker you're based Park. out of, obviously. Yeah, Wicker Park. Okay, so cool. So you're you know you're you're scaling it at the farmers market. Um, what was? And next? we have
1: labels. We have labels. Oh, you got labels. Okay, so we, okay, that's good. Yeah. So we got labels, <laughs> and we got two SKUs. We got a dairy version and a dairy free. And I think we should touch on this real quick. Uh, the product is designed to be pretty inclusive, right? There's not there's Everyone has like different allergies and things like that. We want everyone to be able to experience this product. So the idea of limiting it to only a dairy version was out of the question. And with a dairy-free product, we really are pioneering that too. I mean, we're we're, we're already doing milk tea in America, but now we're doing dairy-free milk tea in America, which is which is pretty cool. Um, is it still? So can, I wanna, this is
0: a very dumb question for someone who's not a you know good at food science. Is is non dairy still considered milk tea? Can it just be? Is it non dairy oh, milk? From a legal perspective,
1: or... <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good
0: question. I guess. I guess there's like tons of other teas, right? Or milks. I mean, there's almond milk, there's oat milk. So yeah, there, I guess my, I answered my own question. So you can have a non dairy. You know, I'm going to call it
1: milk tea, but yeah. you know, I don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. It it definitely is because there's there's so different it, versions. I answered my own question.
1: <laughs> yeah. So at this point, we got you know we got labels. We got two SKUs. Uh, we're at the farmer's market, we're scaling, we have our customers selling our product in the stores for us. uh, And then that was our kind of natural transition from farmer's market to wholesale. My original plan was launch DTC, uh, but the wholesale demand was growing faster. So around this time, I I did both wholesale and launched the direct-to-consumer business. And this period of time was pretty short, but we pretty short, but really fat. Like it, it went by really fast. I think it lasted maybe three or four months of me making milk tea in a commercial kitchen.
0: Uh, oh, wow. pretty much.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, full-time job. I can't even imagine. Okay. So we have these massive pots, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm talking, I forgot the actual volume, but I'm brewing hundreds of gallons of tea. Uh, you know, it's taken At, hours. Uh, one time. Yeah. I mean be, That it. had to
0: be cool. Like the first time you're making that much of it going yeah, from like listen, in your kitchen right to that.
1: Yeah. I'm extremely nostalgic about it, but I mean, we had these massive pots where we, we were taking up all, you know, I'm in a commercial kitchen and there's like fridges in there, right. We're taking up all the fridges with milk tea to cool them overnight. Um, so we had, we had a crazy operation going, but at this point we're making a lot of tea and I'm Starting to see the road ahead of us, right? I can't grow this anymore out of this kitchen. Okay. And I had always known that we needed to get shelf stable. We needed to find a commercial co-packer. It was one of the first things I thought about when I started the business. But at this point now, that's when I decided. That's when we started working more actively to achieve that goal of shelf stability. Which I mean, that is the holy grail for a business like ours. Um, without that you can't scale well it's i can't i shouldn't say can't it's very difficult to scale wholesale with a perishable product got it um and also i mean direct to consumer we were people were you know we were people were paying for shipping and cold chain shipping is very expensive right we had eight pounds of ice in there a 12 by 12 by 12 box you know it was a oh wow yeah yeah, i'm sure that
0: was an expensive order just to get one order was a lot
1: i mean yeah people People really wanted the product, um, so pe- me seeing people respond so well online, plus this traction we were gaining in in wholesale and retail, um, that's that really lit a fire under me to get the shelf stability with that can that you have uh, done.
0: Right. Okay. So at this point, I mean, for and you when you think back, I mean, I, I know obviously like you, lessons are learned and whether it was the right decision or not. Do you feel like going from farmer's market to then a, you know, know, wholesale D to C site, was that in hindsight, like a really good decision was like the next jump. And you, you kind of hinted, you said something about you had consumers kind of almost selling for you in retail. So maybe if you could jump into both of those, it'd be cool to understand like your, your thought process as you scaled.
1: Yeah. I got to tell anyone who's listening to this, that's thinking about CPG, go to a farmer's market, take your product and don't be shy. It is, its by far the best thing you can do in this business, in my opinion, so far, you know, from my experience, because you just learn so much. And I remember, I mean, this, this makes me really emotional when I think about (laughs) it. But I have people, I had people at the farmer's market, they would come up to me and say, Hey, I know this is your baby, but it feels like my baby too. Because I've been here since the beginning. Yeah. And finding those people is just, it's, it removes any doubt that you could possibly have on your journey of building a CPG brand. It just, it completely erases it because you know that you can find these people, you know, they're out there. uh, You know why they love your product. So farmer's markets, definitely very happy I started there. Uh, I'm very happy for the Wicker Park Chamber of Commerce who helped me. You know, they made, you know, they let me basically register two months late.
0: Yeah, Uh, shout out to them.
1: Yeah, shout out to them. And then, yeah, I think the natural progression getting into stores, because that's a whole different thing because I'm not there. You know, I can be pretty aggressive at the farmer's market getting people. <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole production. I was waving people down, right? So, I, you know, I can be a little aggressive, a little persuasive, but uh, it's a whole different ball game in a store because you're not there. The product needs to speak for itself. So that's when packaging, aesthetics, packaging, design all that stuff comes into focus much more. And then also figuring out why people rebuy, why people repeat purchase, uh, which also is, you know, that's packaging, that's product, that's your messaging, that's all bundled together. Um, so you learn that uh, you get you have kind of a little bit of a head start uh, from the farmer's market to get into onto shelves. Um, so that's a whole different ballgame. And then it's also a little bit of a different ballgame on direct to consumer as well. Because they don't even they don't have the experience of being able to hold the bottle, which I know it sounds small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right. when you have it, when you have it, it's I know it's a whole different experience compared to just seeing it through your screen. Um, so these, you know, those three channels, I think the progression we went through was perfect. Got it. Yeah, and it was no, just by chance. It. <laughs> it was by necessity, sure. right? I'm not like a strategic mastermind. I didn't do this like, okay, we're gonna do here this X Y Z. This just was all necessity which I think yeah. is the real, that, you know, that's the beauty in it.
0: Definitely. No. And it sounds like you, um you know, you kind of just figured out step-by-step step early on how to go from, you know, I would say zero to 0.5 maybe. Um, yeah. So then from there um, you, you're selling it out of a glass container. And then what are some of like the first retail accounts you were getting?
1: Uh, you cut out a little bit. Oh, sorry.
0: I was saying you, at this point, you're in the glass containers. Um, you haven't switched yet. So at this point, you're getting some retail accounts too. What were some of the early retail accounts that you were able to get?
1: Uh, so we were in a bunch of different stores, like Natural Boutique. I'm having a little internet trouble. Oh, you're good. Uh, so we were in a bunch of Natural Boutique stores, like Foxtrot, Trot, and in the grocer, Olivia's Market. And mainly these were stores that our customers told us to go to. And oh. some of them were actually stores that our customers basically sold us into uh, oh, harassing awesome. people on social media. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't like a wide presence, but it was significant enough, you know, for me to handle. I mean, it was as much as I could handle at the time.
0: And I mean something like Foxtrot you and I ch- chatted about this before we were recording. No, uh, that's a huge, that's like one of those places. You know, I don't, I haven't been to a Foxtrot in other cities, but in, in Chicago, I mean, that's like, you can go to these, they're like little, like almost like, high end C stores. And I always used to go when I was working in the city and you could just go and look at the shelves and, and kind of see like some emerging brands that are like on brand with like what cultures kind of heading towards. I thought it was always cool. You can always kind of see up and coming brands.
1: So oh, I'm sure yeah. Huge. These, yeah. These stores, especially Foxtrot, they, they are on the cutting edge of kind of the retail experience. And I think that a lot of stores are going to be moving towards this kind of like grab and go more casual, grocery experience rather than this big elaborate store. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're going to see a lot more of these opening up. I think Foxtrot's doing amazing. I think their concept's great. It's the perfect store for a product like ours.
0: Definitely. Oh, yeah. So then going from that, now that's like getting into retail. Um, what, what was like early on, you know, obviously we talk a little bit about finance on here. For, we've had a few other, you know, um, beverage brands on here they're expensive. And that's one of the things you and I chatted about again, um, when we met up in person, um, wh- what was like some of the hurdles early on, especially as you moved and we can get into it, but when you move to this like new packaging and the shelf stable product um, you know, a lot of cost goes into canning any product. So like what were some of the early hurdles as you were trying to like make that leap from commercial kitchen to co-man? It's, it's like a, oh, yeah. it's a, it's a huge jump for any, anyone who is interested in the CPG world
1: yeah, this is the big one. This is, this is the thing that you have to plan for. You need money for, you need to have a lot of confidence because, you know, once the product's made and it's the spec, you know, you, you got it, you're paying for it. It's done. (laughs) So, uh,
0: and there's minimal order, minimum order runs, right. And minimum order quantities or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, some of the big hurdles. So the first is formulation. So this product that I made, you know, to, that i made in the glass container uh we put that in a can just by itself and you know tried to uh shelf you know make it shelf stable uh and it was awful it was terrible because yeah it was really bad because what happens is that we need to basically sterilize it with heat and so imagine you're cooking this product for you know however long you're cooking it above 200 degrees you're really uh altering the flavor profile and so the first biggest hurdle was this. Oh, wait,
0: sorry. And sorry to cut you off, but is that, that's what makes it shelf stable is you're actually cooking right. and, and like heat sealing it almost.
1: Yeah. You're essentially getting, you're, you're having a log, like a massive reduction in microbial activity to the point where it's non-existent almost. Got it. Uh, and that, 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 yeah, yeah. It's not like, it's not like a bunch of different chemicals go into it to make it, you know, some concoction that lasts forever. That's not, I mean, you can go that route, but.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, kind of defeats yeah. the purpose of being clean, right?
1: Absolutely. But yeah, uh, heat is pretty much the ultimate tool for, for making these things shelf stable. Uh, and then the difference is time and temperature, how long and then how hot. And then that gives you your different thermal, thermal processing treatments. There's hmm. a bunch of different ways you can do this. Um, so there's options. Um, okay, so hurdle, so formulation. Actually, let's go back one more. Sure, can we go yeah. back? Of course. So the the first biggest hurdle is finding that co-packer. There's not like you can't, you know, you can Google it, but that is only like five percent of what's out there. I mean, these companies they don't like advertise because you know there's not like a million of me trying to come up with a product. So you really have to do some digging. Um, You really have to know what you're searching for, and all these co-manufacturers they have their own specific lines that fit specific packaging formats that can do specific products and it is all very overwhelming for someone new oh, um, oh yeah yeah I mean for example here we wanted to do the glass bottle right so we we had this square glass bottle it was really beautiful actually a lot of people loved it
0: yeah I actually <laughs> really like that square but It looked really cool on Instagram
1: yeah and I was super excited I was like we got to keep this glass bottle uh but what we're what's called a low acid product so it requires a really high level it's a a really specific shelf stability process um and the co-packers that had that uh thermal processing they couldn't run square bottles uh and then the ones that i could find that do run square bottles they needed a lug cap so that the the type you know the little screw at the top of the the finish of the neck where you screw the cap that's different for a lot of different bottles and they only had lugs they couldn't do what's called a continuous thread and so these minute little details I learned real fast that when you're creating a product you have to consider all these different things packaging format your thermal process where are you sourcing the ingredients from all these things because that will affect what co-packer you go to and that co-packer may affect what things you you know what you can put in a can or what you can put in a glass bottle it's very highly specific
0: So how, is yeah. it kind of just a test and learn? Like you're gonna kind of to interview uh, a ton of places and ask a lot of questions, and, yeah,
1: and yeah, then actually move forward for and fail bit. probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you gotta ask some questions and look stupid for a little bit, or you can Google. Uh, you know, just Googling is your best friend. Okay. Um, do as much Googling as you can, but make phone calls quickly because you know if you find a nice person, they can kind of give you the roadmap. I actually called there was a director at the university of Wisconsin, Madison of their dairy program. And she was actually one of the first people I called and she was so nice. I mean, she spent an hour with me at least maybe more. And she walked me through everything I needed to know about um, canning or however I wanted to process and stabilize milk products.
0: Oh, wow. So see, that's fun. That's a good tidbit for people listening. I mean, yeah, You decided to and go and give that person a call and, and you, you know, her number was on know. the
1: website. I gave her a call <laughs> and she was just so nice. She couldn't, she actually, I feel like she couldn't have been more excited to talk to me because now it's like someone really cared. You know, I really cared. I needed to know this information and she picked up on that and just the conversations we had were so natural and she was really excited to help me. So That's if really you can cool. find someone, you know, that maybe in that academic space, they're invaluable.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. They probably, you know, I, I doubt they get a ton of calls from people trying oh, to make yeah. a milk product. Right. I mean, that's probably not a super common thing to then get reached out to. So she was probably fight, or really psyched for the opportunity yeah. to like help someone who's trying to create a product. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. Okay. So the first major hurdle is the co-packer. Second one is formulation. Um, if you, if you try to get someone else to do this, you're in five figures, maybe more. I mean, you're wow. in quite a lot of money. Um, and you don't, at the very beginning, you don't know how to express your problems. You don't know how to tell someone, you know, Hey, I got a low acid product that we want to retort, you know, and we are having troubles with, you know, volatile compounds, right? You can't say that because you don't know it. You're just saying, Oh, I want to put these ingredients in this can. Can you help me?
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. And
1: there's a, there's a disconnect in how you talk. Um, so if you go with this third party kind of deal, you know, it's hard to really communicate what you want. It's hard to get what you want because the language barrier is so different. Um, I mean, there are, I'm sure I'm not talking bad about them. I'm just saying for me at yeah. the beginning, I didn't have the money. So, so it's expensive, right? I mean, that's it's expensive.
0: I mean, I think this space more so than a lot of other food, Different food products, uh, food or beverage, it, it it's expensive. This is like probably the most expensive part of beverages, I would imagine, is getting into like the canned command, yeah, c- component.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's one step bigger, aseptic. That's a whole different deal. But you're right. Um, so, where was I? So, yeah. So, getting getting this contract formulator, that's tough. Um, we opted. We actually, our co-packer is amazing they are we couldn't ask for a better partner Uh, from the moment i i talked with them they have been like on board 100 they've helped me with everything to the point where i actually (laughs) googled how to you know i i pretty much have an honorary degree in food science i've spent dozens and dozens of hours just reading google scholar articles you know trying to figure out how to eliminate certain flavors and mask others so they've helped me. They, I basically could write a formula down, send it to them. They run it, send it back to me. Oh, wow! very small scale. Like I'm talking yeah. 20 cans. Um, so they, you know, they are, they were extremely helpful. And if is, we didn't is that, that's that,
0: uncommon, right? Like it's uncommon to be able to like do that much tweaking probably and run that. I always remember like, and maybe it's a totally different thing, but even at RX, whenever we have launched new flavors or new products, like That was always a huge expense because we, even us, a bigger company. um,
1: Yeah, there's nothing in it for for the co-packer. I mean, they don't even know if you're going to be around three months from now. Exactly. And you know, they're pumping out millions of products, right? And you know, you get you're this little guy. You want this little order. You know, they don't they don't care. But you know, we built a good relationship with them over time, and I think they could tell I was serious. That's awesome. And, And I think they liked the concept. They liked the vision, and they they played ball. That's really Uh, cool. They went above and beyond, yeah. So we did that process in lieu of paying someone else, right? So I pretty much formulated with the help of them. um, And over the course of, I think, I don't know exactly how many pilots we did, close to a dozen. uh, We got what you're holding now.
0: Got it. Love it. I'll show it again.
1: Yeah, It's actually funny because when it first comes out, right? When it's first off the line, it actually does, it tastes really different and oh, it has really? to sit it has to sit for a couple of weeks it almost like settles into its final flavor so when okay. I was getting the pilots back the very first ones I was like wait why does this, this taste terrible I was like what's going on uh and they're like oh you got you gotta let it rest you know like a good steak or
0: something that's really it's like uh, aging like a wine yeah it's
1: like aging yeah <laughs> you gotta let it rest so it was funny I mean I was such in a rush but because of this resting period we had to formulate run it wait two weeks, taste it. Then we could, that could inform our next pilot. Right. So Got these it. two week lag times. Um, so we were, we were going as fast as we could during that.
0: Got it. That's really cool. I mean, and so if we fast forward a little bit, so that, I mean, that's, I have to imagine one of your biggest hurdles. Um, now you have a shelf stable product. One of the things I wanted to make sure we, we fit in and had time for was um, really like explaining for people who are interested and want to give us a try like the benefit that i saw uh in in your product versus even like a lot of coffee products and it was you know really on the back we talk about focused energy the the balance of caffeine and l-theanine would you mind giving everyone a little bit of a of a background in that because i drank one of these as we talked and i went inside and i was on a call i'm like i feel caffeinated but i don't feel jittery just like you said it would and it's so weird
1: Yeah, so this is what got me real excited early on. So early on, I was trying to figure out how do we position this for for people here in America? Uh, You know, how do we make this bigger? You know, how can we make this bigger? Um, And when I started researching tea, I found out about L-theanine, which is an amino acid that's found in tea. And L-theanine helps your body uh, produce this thing called GABA. Um, don't quote me. I mean, don't quote yeah, no, me. No, no. I'm gonna, this is, I'm this gonna is high this level some, Yeah. Yeah, very <laughs> high level stuff. Uh, and what basically that does is it helps calm you down. It helps reduce kind of that jittery anxiety you get from drinking too much coffee. And it really elevates your caffeine experience to where you're more focused and you feel more energized rather than bouncing off the walls. I said, I said, you know, at the farmer's market, I would tell people drinking caffeine without L theanine is like driving a car without brakes. You know, it's just Love all that. go. And then at the very end, the wheels fall off.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So that got me so excited because I'm thinking about, you know, what is the next wave of caffeine? Because caffeine is one of the most ingested, you know, uh, ingredients in the country. I mean, maybe, you know, it's up there, right? Yeah. Wouldn't definitely. you agree?
0: Yeah, So, sure. so,
1: So how do we improve this experience? And you see it today with other products. I think you see a lot of venture capital pushing dollars into the CBD space, and that's crossing over into CBD coffee. Yeah. Personally, I I feel like that's mixing an upper and a downer. So with us, L-theanine and caffeine, they work together in the same direction. Um, Whereas, you know, as CBD might be, like I said, it's an upper and a downer.
0: Right. Right. Um, yeah. I know. That was a confusing one to me when we were chatting. Cause I was like, well, yeah, you're right. The CBD kind of like calms you down and caffeine gets you up. So it, I, I haven't had, I haven't had CBD coffee, but this made a lot more sense to me. I'm like, you want the yeah. up from caffeine, but you just don't, sometimes you don't feel like being, you know, out of your mind jittery. Yeah, you
1: want the nice smooth acceleration, not like the <laughs> Tesla ludicrous zero to up uh, you know hundred. <laughs> <laughs> right. You want that nice smooth ride. Right,
0: um, right. And
1: that's what that's what caffeine and L-theanine is. So that messaging I think is what really helped click it for me because people always talk about why do people want to drink your drink. It you can't just because I mean taste is up there, but I always say people buy with their eyes, they fall in love with their taste, they rationalize with you know the uh, the the way they justify with the new ingredient label, and then they rationalize it with the price.
0: Oh, like that. So that's a, that's a good one.
1: Right. So we got the taste, but then how does this fit into people's lives? Right. And I think that this message that we have about caffeine and L-theanine is so powerful because there are so many people just like me. When I started this, I was addicted to coffee. I was drinking a ton of it. I was suffering the side effects and I think that a lot of people share that same feeling and yeah. a lot of people are bored to taste the taste of coffee as well.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And caffeine addiction is a real thing. I think I've talked, I might've talked about it on here. I was super addicted to caffeine about a year right before, right before COVID. I realized it to the point where like, I couldn't stay awake on the weekends, like without taking like a co- an espresso in the evening or like a caffeine pill or like I was drinking coffee all the time.
1: And I didn't realize it. And I was like
0: in the morning, it was in the afternoon, it was in the evening before going out to dinner on the weekends. So this product resonated with me when 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 you explained that.
1: Yeah, I want to say one more thing about this. I think that caffeine culture in America is changing. I think that, you know, the regular coffee doesn't fit our generation's work-life balance anymore. I think that before, if you look at caffeine consumption or coffee consumption over time by generation, Older generations drink far more black coffee than younger generations do. And we were, we've been kind of programmed to wake up and drink a coffee. And I think that, that, that coffee is kind of antiquated in our lives. Whereas before it was work, 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 right? I mean, think about your dad or your granddad. It was wake up, have your coffee, work till you're done, right? Work all day. I think that our generation the subsequent generation, we're much more uh, liquid with our time. We're much more fluid. There is a work-life balance and this kind of, this kind of hyper awareness of like your mental state and, and how you're doing, you know, that we're much more conscious of how we feel. Yeah. And then pure caffeine I think doesn't fit into that mentality anymore.
0: Got it. So you think, you think something like joy milk tea where it's a little more of a balanced feeling,
1: I think in general, you're going to see a lot, I think in general, you're going to see a lot of caffeine supplemented products that have things like L-theanine or other, other ingredients that could be out there. I think that you're going to see a lot of that coming up. Yeah. I think, I think we are a little early. I think, you know, adaptogen coffees are, are hitting, hitting that, but I, I think that's the next wave.
0: That's awesome. So I mean, we're now naturally you-
1: there because l and means NT. So it's a no-brainer yeah. for us. We can't change it. If we <laughs> wanted to remove it, we
0: couldn't. <laughs> yeah, okay. Got it. Got it. Um, and that makes sense. And I think the other thing as I was looking over the can, I want to make sure we hit on, I think it's it's really cool. It's something that um, we've, we definitely have done a little bit at Rx, but not to the scale you're trying to do it. Explain to everyone the QR code and kind of like how that's going to work as you continue to scale your brand.
1: Yeah. So remember that Person I told you about at the farmers market who said this is your baby, but it's our my baby too. Yes, it's kind of an extension of that. So, uh, this is really about taking people with us on creating the best milk tea in America. You know, this product that we launched is great. I love it, but I always want to get better. And the can that says we're always trying to get better. We're always,
0: uh, all we're always, always improving.
1: Put- yeah, we're always improving. Um, and that's a mindset that I never want to lose. Um, I totally believe that if we, st- there, there are products that will stay, right? You know, things that will be here for a long time. But I'm totally of the mindset that we should always be looking to improve our product. You know, people's tastes change, preferences change, think, you know, just making the very best milk tea we can. So that QR code, uh, that whole idea is to bring people on board with us on this journey of creating the best milk tea. And getting people's feedback in real time, uh, I think is just really helpful for product, product development.
0: Yeah. I think it's awesome. I mean, and it builds,
1: it builds brand equity. You know, when yeah. people can interact with the product at this level, they are excited. They want to be a part of it. And it's not, you know, you're not asking too much of these people. I used to call our customers and interview them uh-huh. and ask oh, really? them why they, why do they drink this product? You know, why do you love it? Um, you know, why, you know, have you replaced coffee you know all these different questions and you get something out of it and then they get something out of it as well because now they're like on the end right they, they know the founder they're part of joy um, Tea. Right. And that's really cool for people and i want i want to scale that as that's awesome as man
0: it's really cool i mean it's a it's a great way to get your core consumers involved um from experience i can say that the you know the most diehards would love to be a part of it, especially if you're, you know, demoing new flavors or anything like that's, I think, a, a such a cool component of uh, your new cans and they look great. They look awesome. Um, so we kind of talked through, you know, getting to the stage you are today, where are you guys currently located from like a distribution standpoint for people listening that want to give us a shot?
1: Yeah, so it's real. I mean, we're moving real fast. So we're in a couple different stores in the Chicagoland area. If you go to our website, JoyMilkTea.com, there's a little page with stores. Uh, and then if you follow us on Instagram, we're going to be shouting out the different stores we're in. Um, I mean, it's. I can name a few, but I mean, it's just we're, we're trying. I you know this morning I was out selling the product. Yeah, so, no, no, no. I, I was so, going to say, I
0: mean, I, the best place if yeah. you're in Chicago, I know you're in a handful and if you you're mentioned in Chicago.
1: Like- yeah, like guys and grocer, Olivia's uh, Foxtrot's going to be taking it on soon. Uh, you know, you just have to mix around, you know, they they're growing also, right. So they can't just plug in products like they used to. I caught them at a kind of a weird time in their transition. Um, and then, you know, we're getting more stores every day, but definitely follow us on Instagram to see where we're going. Um, the DTC side is launching. So for people outside of Chicago, free shipping six cans, we're going to be shipping it all over the country. So that's gonna be awesome. starting in June,
0: oh, awesome. I didn't know that was June, okay, Fanta- yeah, we're just right waiting for boxes
1: yeah, we're just waiting for boxes at this point, so okay. we're ready
0: to go. Got it. Well, I love that. We'll definitely uh, be sharing that and plugging that when you when you guys launch that. it's gonna be awesome um, yeah. very cool um for so, for you, as we kind of like get towards the end of the hour, what um what would you tell people you you talked about the a couple hurdles, but like if you have to think about the really going from from zero to one, like you, you have, you're at a, you're at a component where you're, I think you're at a, for lack of better words, you're kind of at a springboard moment where you're going to have a new, new product with new packaging, you're getting distribution, you're launching D2C, like some big, really big things for, uh, for Joy Milk Tea around the corner. What would you tell people has been the most important component of going from zero to one? What was like the one pivotal decision moment meeting thing that you've learned so far in this journey?
1: Give me a second while I while I think about that. Give, I'll give a, you a good answer.
0: A I and think can, that, it, there can be more than one or it can just be okay. you know, something that's memorable to you.
1: Yeah, I think the most memorable thing was seeing people come back. Okay. Um so to put to put yourself in the position to interact with your customers. Never in my opinion, uh, you know, never build in the dark for too long. Um, get that's great going. advice, actually. Yeah. Get going, get people's opinion. You know, you can build in the dark, you can build silently, but at some point you've got to talk to your customers and you can't be shy. I'm typically kind of a, a little bit of a shy person, but I really had to put myself out there for this business. And it's just that, yeah, that's the big thing. Just go like, go do it. If you decide you're going to do this, Get your product in people's hands and also make them pay for it because there's something this is a, this is an interesting one because when you make someone pay for something, that's, there's a sacred, there's something sacred about a transaction. Okay. If I give you a free product and ask you for advice, you feel like you owe me for the value of the product. And if you're a stranger, you might say, oh, this is good, right? Something blanket. But if you pay for it, you're expect, there's an expectation that you're going to, you know, that this is a high quality product, that you're going to enjoy this product. And so when they pay for something, you know, money talks, right? And so when people come back, when people come back and buy the product, when people buy it and say good things about it, that's how you know you really got something and no one's BSing you. So
0: makes a ton of sense. Like, yeah, you're actually going to get like no bullshit feedback from people when they actually yeah. pay for it. That's a That's exactly. such there's, a good little something
1: there. sacred. Of, and I got to tell you, you, you paused
0: week. and you pulled out, a, you pulled out a gem, man.
1: This is a funny one. When I had my first uh, bottles, I had a little paper sticker on them, uh, And my mom had some friends over and I basically just walked up there. My mom's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, Hey, do you guys want to buy something to drink? <laughs> I like like they, My mom thought it was so rude, but they all were very receptive and they all paid and they all told me exactly what they thought. Some bad, some good. And it's exactly what I needed to hear. And that's, that's what I'm saying. There's something sacred about the transaction. So get your product sold any way you can. If that means going door to door, get it in someone's hand. Is, Love it. Is what I have so it's say. like
0: minimal viable yeah. product and sell the yeah. hell out of it and get the feedback yeah. and, and pivot yeah. or not pivot maybe, but tweak.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Love it.
0: That's fantastic. That, that was great. There you go. You, pull, you pulled out a gem. That was awesome. Um, sure. The last few questions I always ask founders is I think this is just really interesting, you know, table stakes for anyone who's running their own business. Number one, obviously, and I know this just from being involved in the CPG industry, you have a million different things going on. You're producing the product. You're creating the product. You're selling the product. You're, you're launching a website. You're, you're trying to find boxes. So you've, you've explained to everyone, like there's just a lot of moving pieces. What do you use to organize all of the goals you have daily tasks? Are you a, are you a pen and paper kind of guy? Are you an app guy? What is like your go-to for just, you know, getting shit done?
1: I don't know if I want to say this on a podcast. <laughs> I am a, I'm not an organized person. I'm You're a, not I'm a, in
0: the, that's, that's the, that's the uh, I would say the vast majority of people I talk to say yeah,
1: that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a train wreck. And when it comes to organization, you know, I, I have a natural instinct as to what's important at the time. Okay. And I'm able to just get after it real fast. Um, I think that, how do I manage? Okay. I manage by what's, I manage what I need to do by what's most important. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not a good answer. I feel almost bad. No, saying. No, no. I don't know. How yeah.
0: do you, I guess maybe I'll help like dive a little deeper. How do you feel like you come to the conclusion each morning, for example, on what's important?
1: Oh, uh, Right now, sales is most important. Uh, sales, everything, sales is number one over everything. Okay. So uh, I wake up and I, it's funny because before I had the product in my hand, I had a bit of a more relaxed schedule. I was kind of in creative mode. And then once the product landed at the dock, it's like my body knew. It's like, okay, it's time to sell. And I'm just like waking up way earlier. You know, just everything is routine. I'm out there selling like right in the, immediately when I wake up it's like, I just have this natural drive, right. To just get out and sell. So that's, uh,
0: there you go. Yeah. So you, <laughs> it's, it's but I mean, really that, that kind of but... goes with the whole concept. I think that we, we started this off with that. There are some people who don't over-engineer the way they do things. Yeah. They run fast. I think, I think there's you a know, lot listen. to be said by that. I know a lot of successful people who, um, you know, they're not weird like me who like keeps a planner yeah. and I'm like, this is I'm not I the person to
1: ask for advice on planning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean I, I do a lot of thinking about strategy, but you know, not, not about organization.
0: No, no, that's totally fine. That's it works for you. Um for you, uh, if you had to give the audience, I always say book, but it could be book, podcast, source of knowledge. Oh. What would be one, you know, book that you'd recommend for everybody?
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, thinking fast and slow, I think by David Kangman uh, I maybe got the name of the author wrong, but this is a thick book and it's, it, it really opens your mind up a lot to, uh, how your brain thinks and perceives information. And this has a lot of outlets. This, this goes into interpersonal relationships. This goes into marketing. This goes into, uh, product design. It's not, it's a very general book and it's a great book. It's a, it's a tough read, but it's a good one for a more easier read. You know something like Peter Thiel, Zero to One. Yeah. I mean, great book. Um, as far as other kinds of content, these podcasts. Like I said, without them, I don't know if I'd be doing this. So <laughs> I, I'm so excited to do this one because, uh, yeah, just without stuff like this kind of content, I don't know if I'd be doing this.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that, man. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it's wild today that you know anyone. It's kind of the same. I mean, I I give people like you all the credit in the world to like go make something physical that's you know safe (laughs) because I could go make something upstairs I don't know if it tastes good or if it'd be safe to eat or drink (laughs) for you to then go and you know package it and sell it uh it's just really impressive so I think it's cool to see people like you for me I hit record and uh like to have cool conversations so I, I it's cool to be able to talk to people like you and, uh, and share your brand. You know what I mean? I, I've, now I've tried it. Uh, I hope tons of people on here uh, listen and try the product too. Speaking of that, the most important question and, and, and the last question I always love to ask is um, yeah. how can people get involved with Joy Milk Tea? You mentioned the website and I'll add it to the show notes, but if you want to plug it mm-hmm. again and then, yeah, how can people follow along with your journey with Joy Milk's uh, yeah. Joy Milk Tea's journey and, um, and then people can give it a follow
1: Definitely follow us on Instagram, uh, Twitter, um, at @maxblessin, and uh, website www.joymilktea.com. Uh, we're I'm not super active on Instagram. Um, we're working to get there. I'm trying to figure out what we're gonna what we're gonna post. I typically if I don't know what to say, I'm not gonna say anything. So until I really figure out that feed, uh, we'll be more active. But Instagram, Twitter, and then our website uh, www.joymilktea.com.
0: Love it. And everyone keep an eye out for June when you launch the DTC. I'll be sure to share that out on my personal stuff. When you do that, yep. get the word out and then
1: more SKUs coming later this year. Hopefully by the end of the year, we have four SKUs. So oh, wow. lots That's of sad. new stuff coming.
0: It, yeah. I was to say, just to, to wrap that up, you have two today, right? Is that correct?
1: So we have one right now. One we have right a dairy free one coming later this year. And then we have uh, people already know this matcha dairy and matcha dairy free coming Hopefully at the end of 2021. So Exciting. four skews total, yeah. Exciting and I don't stuff. think we're gonna stop at the skews. I think we're gonna go crazy with the skews. Yeah. I'm not gonna listen to the <laughs> advice of you know keep as minimal skew. You know your evergreen sure. skews. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go crazy. So,
0: and is that really be just because of the product, or is that just a strategy? There, yeah?
1: We are we're uniquely positioned because of our products, like the way it's made, like just the combination. Like we can do so many different things. Whereas with coffee, like. There is not that many things you can do. Sure. Uh, you know, I remember we talked just really quick to end this. Yeah, yeah, you no, and I way. were talking and I gave you this statistic that like people on the app, on Starbucks' app, aren't even really buying coffee drinks.
0: Yeah, that blew my and, mind actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. And what, what we're picking up here is that there's this desire for novelty and something new and our platform, the milk Tea platform, is just so uniquely positioned to make, you know, so many different crazy things. I don't want to give too much away, but we have a lot of, a lot of different flavors. Great teaser.
0: I mean, we could always, I always tell people like for this, it would be cool to have you back on at the end of the year when you launch some new SKUs and we can talk about all the, the craziness that I'm sure goes into bringing that innovation to life, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks for all the time. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know we uh I was difficult in trying to get you on here. So I appreciate you coming on.
1: Third time's the charm. Third
0: time's, third time's the, the charm. charm. I told you it would be. It always ends up working that way. And um hope everyone tries. Joy Milk Tea. I'm gonna have one of these tomorrow morning. You gave me a few. So thank you very much for I've that had three
1: today. I'm not gonna have another oh, one. Oh man. <laughs> but you shouldn't
0: be jittery, right?
1: <laughs> no, I'm fine. Yeah. I, I I'm on my third one. I had it like two hours ago. I feel great. I just there ran you go. Two- few miles. So I'm Tons a
0: little of, Oh wow. Yeah. You got all kinds of good stuff going on. That's great, yeah. man. Awesome. Well, Max, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And um we'll talk soon, my friend.
1: Thank you,
0: Shane. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Bye. See ya.